0: place, and if, if you've not been here and you're wondering why this, this treehouse is up here, and I'll, I'll get to that in, in just a moment, but, but this whole idea of a hiding place, and I, I don't know, you know, it doesn't matter how old we get, how tough we think we are, uh, how, how much we think we can handle life, we all at some point in our everyday life need a hiding place, don't we? Yeah. You, ever, you ever been driving to work and felt like just keep on driving? <laughs> you, ever, you ever felt like that? Just forget it. Just keep on trucking. Don't do that. But it's good to recognize that you have days like that. Or when the world is just kind of uh, hovering in on you and cramping in and everything seems to be hitting you from every different direction. And, and it's, it's amazing how we as human beings, we refuse to recognize the fact that we need a hiding place by hiding in places we shouldn't hide. Think about that for a second. We, uh, I can do this. I got this. And and we we can get in that that zone of I can handle life on my own, and we wake up one day, and we refuse to recognize the, the fact that we need a hiding place, so we find ourselves hiding in a place that is unhealthy for us as Christians should have got a card on your seat when you came in. If you got one last week and you want another one, go ahead and take it. If you got somebody in your life that can't come on Sundays but would benefit from this. On this card are the covenant names of God. The covenant names of God. And we're going to hit every one of these over the next few weeks. And, and let's, define, let's define covenant. Well, let's go to, okay, thank you. A contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and his people in which God makes promises to his people think about this just for a second. A contract. A contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and His people in which God makes promises to His people. So the idea behind this is God has chosen these names for Himself. And take that one step further, every one of these covenant names are embodied in the person of Jesus. So Jesus is our hiding place. And so it, when, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, every one of these covenant names took shape, took form in the person of Jesus. And as he walked this earth and lived a sinless life, he exuded every one of these covenant names. Because what God said is, I'm going to make covenant with my people. And the last covenant that he made with us was sending his son, his only son, to die for us. So he sent his only son to embody everything that he had promised his people. That's us. Are you getting this? So learn something today. So that, that's the process of how this went. The Old Testament, you find all these covenant names in the Old Testament, and then you got 400 years of silence, and then Jesus he comes, bam, on the scene, and there is all that God ever promised his people that he would ever be in one God, child, Jesus Christ. So last last time I was here, we talked about Jehovah's Sid Canoe, the Lord, our righteousness, Today, we're going to talk about Jehovah Shalom. Now, what does Shalom mean? Right? Peace. Jehovah Shalom. So Jehovah means I am that I am. I am God. So whenever you see Jehovah before something like Shalom, so what you can take from that is I am God, your peace. I am the God of peace. Judges 624 says this. This is where we get this covenant name of God. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abizurites. That's a fun one. Abizurites. Just say it real fast. Abizurites. There you go. Good job. Good job. So Gideon built an altar to to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Peace defined. Freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. How many of you could describe last week that way? (laughs) Right? No. No. That's not the world we live in, is it? Yeah, we have this amazing hiding place in God where we can find peace no matter what we're going through. Peace is an interesting concept, isn't it? Freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. You know, one of the reasons that we work so hard in our children's area and in our nurseries and stuff like that is so for some of you parents, you can come in here for like an hour and go, "Ah, praise you, Jesus. Peace is an interesting concept. We try to buy peace. We try to get in relationships to give us peace. We try to take things to have peace. We try to drink enough to have peace. We try to go on vacation to have peace. We try all these different things to have peace. There's a difference between rejuvenation and peace. You've got to get that, right? But an in, in internal peace. And it's very interesting that every religion outside of Christianity has an inroad to peace. And it, almost every one of them have to do with your own actions. Find your zen. Eternal peace. Go do this and that and this and that, and you'll be at peace with yourself. Well, the fact of the matter is the only way that we can ever be at peace is recognize that Jehovah, I am your peace, Jehovah Shalom. He makes a way for us to be separate from disturbance. He makes a way for certain times in our life when there's turbulence going on, it can be quiet and it can be tranquil. That's true peace. So let's get started. Number one, peace only comes when your trust is in the right place. Isaiah six twenty six three, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Peace only comes when you place your trust in the right place. So, in other words, I have this—I have this investment, this commodity, and it's called trust. And I get to decide where I'm going to invest my trust. I, and only I, can put my trust. My trust, just like my faith, I can only put my trust in what I want to put my trust in. And so Isaiah is saying right here, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Well, what is this teaching me right here? This is teaching me that trust has a lot, peace and trust... Go hand in hand. Whatever I put my trust in, if it doesn't come through for me, I'm not going to have peace. But if I put my trust in God, he never fails me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I have a steadfastness when I put my trust in God, and there's a peace that comes out of that. And the only way that I can do that is because is when I keep my mind, my mind steadfast on God in everything that I face in my everyday life. I should immediately filter it through what's God think about this. Now, do I do that? No. Do I wish I did that? Yes. Do you do that? If you do it every time, then you need to be up here. But, but so, so you, you, you see this, this process working out here. My mind's got to be steadfast on God, and that is where my trust is going to be. If my mind is steadfast on my finance, that's where my trust is going to be. If my mind is steadfast on my bank account, that's where my trust is going to be. If my mind is steadfast on a certain relationship in my life or a relationship that I think I need, that's where my trust is going to be. However, I've got to put my trust in the right place. Look look at this next scripture right here. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, the hiding place, and I, I don't know if many of you, when you're a, a small child, maybe had a place where you would go and hide, but, but when I was growing up, we would build forts. We would build forts, right? Anybody ever build a fort? Good. <laughs> See, you, you guys worry me sometimes. You, you really worry me. And, and so, so did, did, did you ever, like, build a fort, and when things would go bad, you'd go hide in that fort and forget the world? It's a hiding place. Well, what about this? How many of you were scared of the dark when you when you were growing up? Scared of the dark. So, so I can remember being a little kid, and, and you remember thinking that there maybe were monsters. <laughs> Do you remember th- maybe thinking there were monsters under the bed? Yeah, maybe. So, so there there's like uh, there's still lights on up here. There you go. Good job. So, Oh, now we got it. So I can remember thinking that there was a monster under my bed or in my closet. And you all know the deterrent for monsters, right? I'm not talking about Monsters, Inc. I'm talking about real life. It's, it's when you just pull the covers over your head, correct? Do you remember that? Because if he can't see you, you can't see him. Everything's good. But, but I can remember, I can remember so vividly being scared and crying out, dad. And my dad would come in and it, it's pitch. I said, dad, I'm scared. And you know, in perfect dad fashion, shut up and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing under your bed. Dad, will you check? Check under my bed. Dad, what? Come here, there's something in my closet moving. Anybody, you ever had, you know, if you have had kids, you know this whole drill, right? And so so here, here's this idea of, of where am I going to place my trust? Now, it would go to like, like DEFCON 5 if there was lightning and thunder. <laughs> and finally, finally, I would throw all of my trust in my father, unless he was working nights, and it would be my mom. She, was, she, was, she would do, because she was an adult. And I would say, Mom! And my mom was sweet. Because here's what she would do. In the pitch black, thunder, lightning. My dad maybe was working that night. She'd come in. She said, Jason, I'm going to pray with you. Unlike my dad he told me to shut up and go to bed. <laughs> and she said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn this light on right beside your bed. And I want you to lay down. I want you to know I'm right down the hall. And man, I'm telling you what, it was magic. Peace. Would flood. As a little boy, I just had peace. I so said, I'm going to leave your door open, I'm going to leave my door open, and I'm going to turn this light on for you. Now, would you please go back to bed? I have to work tomorrow. And boom, I was out like a light. Out like a light. Why? Because I put my trust in someone that I knew would take care of me. Now, as an adult, looking back, there's nothing my mom could do in the face of a tornado. <laughs> I mean, we were done for. But in my mind as a little boy, I knew everything was okay. So peace comes from where you put your trust in. Where's your trust today? Has life gotten dark on you? And is it kind of closed in a little bit on you? Do you need God to turn on that nightlight for you to how to try to help God and direct you through? And the, and the way that he does that, first of all, is, is you put your trust in him and he gives you peace about your situation. Then he helps you navigate it. That's what peace does for you. You can turn the lights back on. You see this here. That's kind of bright. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> so, number two. Here we go. If we can get the screen back on. Worrying is the enemy of peace. Worrying is the enemy of peace. You can't be at peace while you're worrying. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, wow! Think about this just for a second. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. About four months ago, we looked at the scripture, and and Anthony had done. We do a devotion on Monday morning before or after our prayer meeting, and he had done. He had done a devotion, and he used the scripture, and he gave this amazing, unbelievable analogy of how when he reads this, he literally sees an angel of God guarding his heart. Like, guard. You know what I'm saying? Anybody watch football yesterday? Oh, man, I'm on football overload. It's, it's an insatiable <laughs> hunger. You can't, <laughs> you can't get enough of that. Um, but Anyway, I was, I'll get off track if I go there. He, guarding. 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 I'm not going to let that worry into my heart. I'm not going to let those thoughts. God's going to help me. I'm going to give that to God. God's going to guard my heart. And so when those, that, those thoughts of worry, when, they, when I'm tempted to take those back on, boom, the Holy Spirit, boom, knocks them out and guards my heart and my mind. Because that's where worry hits, right? I'm telling you, if you're in this room right now and you say you don't worry about nothing, you're lying. You need to worry if you don't worry about nothing. You need to worry about worrying about nothing. We don't need to practice worry, but we all deal with worry, don't we? We all deal with the what ifs of life. It's the worst question we can ask. What if? What if? What if? Well, what God's saying right here is bring those what ifs to me. Bring that idea of worry to me and let's deal with that. Let let's deal with cause because if, if I'm worrying on an everyday basis, I'm living in turmoil every day of my life. Let worry turn into prayer. This is something God's done in my heart over the past four or five years, especially the past couple of years. Let that worry turn into prayer. Anybody have teenagers? Have you ever raised teenagers? You know what worry is, don't you? Right? You just know how your mind can trick 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 trick. I haven't heard from them in an hour. My son moved out about a month and a half ago, and rain would be like, I haven't talked to him today. I'm like, sweet, he's 19 years old. He's at college. And you're not going to talk to him every day. She's like, yes, I am. I'm like, no, you're not. He's okay. It's all right. So I'll text him, say, I'll be like, text your mom. Okay. And he'll say something like, hi, mom. <laughs> he's a man. What do you want? You, you want a paragraph? <laughs> no. Can I get an amen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 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 we all we all struggle we struggle with worry sometimes, and God's given us a remedy right here. Of look, if you'll take those thoughts and that worry and you'll cast them on me habitually, get into a habit, throw it back at me, then I will. My Holy Spirit will guard your heart and your mind, because this is where worry starts and it seeps down in, in, into. My very being, it can actually affect me. Even It's medically proven that worry and fear can hurt you in your physical body. It's a proven fact. Because we weren't created to worry. Why? Because we were created to fully and completely trust in God. And, and will, will we ever reach that in this world? I, I don't know. Probably not. Because we're human. But we can practice every day of our life casting our cares upon God, casting every, and be. I have certain men in my life that and and pretty much every one of them are older than me, and there's some of them that they're just they're just good, and I don't know if they're acting or not, but but when I'm struggling with stuff and I talk to them about it, they're just really good at, at having a uh, like one of those half smiles, really calm, saying, "Jason, don't you think God can take care of this?" Well, yeah. <laughs> but he hadn't yet and they, just, they just have this ability to have this really calm demeanor and they're a blessing to my life because a lot of times they'll bring me from like 10 down back to like a 3 I don't think I ever get under a 3 yeah <laughs> come, come back down you know what you're all right. and by the end of that lunch meeting or breakfast or whatever it is um, I'm like alright yeah God you got this you should be that for someone, and you should have people like that in your life that reminds you God's got this. Yes. Cast your cares upon Him, and the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart. Keep going, Larry. First Peter five seven. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. I can take my problems to God without worrying about being a worry to Him, because He cares for me. He loves me. He wants me to bring me. He wants me to bring my cares to Him, just like any good father does. And when I do that, there's a peace that envelops me, just like me crying out for my dad in the dark. When I cry out to my father in heaven and say, look, I'm struggling with this. I am worried about this. He cares for me. And I can do, I can approach that, uh, the, the throne of grace with boldness and confidence because I know he cares about me. Keep going, Larry. Psalm 56, three and four. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I will trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do? To me we, we talk about this Every once in a while And especially in reference to peace But you know as well as I do What one email can do to your day You know what I'm talking about Just an email out of nowhere Hateful Or maybe you think it's hateful Maybe the person just doesn't know how to communicate an email I'm a terrible texter Don't ever take anything emotional From me when I text you ever, ever, ever. I said, man, he's a jerk. Anthony, Anthony. Anthony, Anthony, get a text from me, man. He's going around the office. Is Jason mad at me? Is, did, you, did you get this text? He'll finally come in my office and go, hey, did I do something wrong? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, this text. You ask a question, I gave an answer. But it was only one word. With a period. (laughs) Scott, it was grammatically correct. (laughs) It seemed like a paragraph asking about this ministry ministry thing you're going to do. What do you think? You think i would to do it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You you and Raina need to start testing. (laughs) That's what needs to happen here. Yeah. What, what, what can mere mortals do to me? In other words, fear and worry, they, they're prom dates. I mean, it's gasoline and fire. That's what fear and worry is because they work in tandem. They work in tandem. And so if I, I get that email or I get that phone call, or I hear somebody said something about me, or I hear this may happen, then the what ifs kick in. And when the what-ifs kick in, my mind starts clicking, and I don't even think about casting my cares upon the Lord. I just think about how I'm going to respond, or what if this happens? They could do this, and this could happen to me, and this could happen to me, and this could happen, and this could happen. And And before I know it, I've wasted half a day thinking about what-ifs and what if this happens, and I've convinced myself in my own mind that it's going to happen. Instead of taking what just happened, giving it to the Lord, and boom, trusting in God. I'm not going to be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Wow. It's an incredible way to live. It's not a prideful way to live. You assess what people say, but you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. I had a friend of mine who was walking his dog down the street, and this lady comes out of her driveway on her bicycle, just flying out of her driveway, and the dog, just wagging his tail, kind of ran up to the lady. It was on leash. And the lady on her bicycle... Fell over dramatically, like Oscar dramatically. Falls off her bike. Oh, can, can you not control that dog? I'm gonna call. What's the dog, please? <laughs> Animal Services. I'm I'm gonna. Uh, 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 uh. And he goes. This little old lady. She she ran my night. I went back home and I told my wife. My wife says. What if she calls? Well, what if they come get her dog? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if she sues us? Well, what if she's really hurt? Did the dog bite her? Are you sure the dog didn't bite her? And before you know it, they, they've worked herself into people's court. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, if we're not careful, we can live our life that way. And, and, and it's a waste. Now, if we're wrong, we're wrong, and we have to make right on that. But we don't have to give in to threats of the enemy or people who are being used of the enemy to to have us operate in fear, fear and worry. They work in tandem. Next thing. Peace is unattainable when we are living in sin. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life. And say it with me. Peace is unattainable when we're living in sin. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now, let's separate for a second. And there may be some of us in this room today that have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never taken that step of faith and you never said, Jesus, I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to trust you to change my life. I need a change. and And so if you're in that category, then you would say, you know what? There's something about my life. I don't have peace. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this, and I've tried that, and I just don't have peace. We don't have peace because we'll see in a second the only way to have peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then that other group of us that are here that call ourselves Christians who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, who have put our measure of faith in Jesus and who are now on a journey to to meet God one day. And we we feel that peace when God comes in and through what Jesus Christ did for us, he, he, he forgives us of our sin and then we start this journey. However, we're we're still flesh. Right? Peach yourself. Peach your neighbor. Don't do, Don't do that. Unless it's your spouse. Peach as hard as you can. No. We're we're flesh. And so now we start on this journey and the problem is is the flesh inside of us still wants to live in reference, it gets pulled by this world because our culture, our media, the enemy of our soul, he knows that the only thing that he really has to play off of is the fact that we're we are we're human and we live in a real world. So now I, I find myself, if my mind, I'm saved, but if my mind is governed by the flesh, I'm, I'm dying daily. It, it, there's something wrong in my life. And so if I'm on my journey And somehow I get away from God and I I begin to act in ways and do things in my life that aren't pleasing to God. And then they become habitual habits in my life. And then all of a sudden I find myself ashamed to spend time with God, because if I spend time with God, then I know I'm going to have to, he's going to address those situations in my life, and then before I know it, I don't even want to go to church anymore, because I just know when I walk in that place, I feel so guilty about the way I'm living, I get so convicted, so I'm, I'm just not even going to go anymore, and before I know it, I find myself totally separated from God's presence, separated from God's people, and, and now I am not, I assure you, at peace. When I was growing up, one of the one of the many many great things that my father taught me was: you tell one lie, you have to tell another one, and then you have to tell another one, then you have to tell another one, and sooner or later you're going to forget what the truth is. Isn't that true? I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, how can I put this? You 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 can find yourself. And life patterns that do not lend themselves to what this Word of God says. And in those life patterns, there's no peace. There's just not peace. Because I'm being governed by my flesh, I'm gratifying my flesh. And what you feed the longest becomes the strongest. But if if my mind is governed by the Spirit, it's life and peace. So I've got to follow the Spirit in my life to have peace in my life. Does that make sense? So, if you're here today and you say, you know what, there are some areas in my life that I know, that I know, that I know, that God is not pleased with. And, and surely, surely there's a lot of us in this room in that category. And, and maybe, maybe you're, you're in deep or maybe you're thinking about, maybe you're here today and you're thinking about taking that plunge. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're thinking about taking that plunge and cheating on your spouse. Because they just don't treat you right. And that person at the office notices what you wear every day. Well, boo hoo for you! Don't do it. I hope that this thought makes you crawl out of your skin right now. You should talk to some people uh, around our church that openly share their testimony about taking that plunge. It's death. It's destruction. But here we have a choice to follow the Spirit in our life, and thus live in peace. Live in peace. The peace that comes from God can't be bought. It's only attainable through following. Look, look at this next scripture. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's a way out of that, that angst of how you know you're living. And then the last one, we'll look at it on this point. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. In other words, this word, the word of God in my flesh they, they're a constant war, Paul says. Right? Constant. Constant. My flesh is a constant war with God's will for my life because my flesh, man, wants to rise up. I want what I want, and I want it now. And it's, it's like in hyperspeed now because of the culture we grow, we've, we've grown up in and we've created. I want, what I, I want what I want. I want it now. And if I can't get it from you, I'm going to go get it from somebody else, but I'm going to get it because I deserve it. No, you don't. We don't deserve anything. We deserve to die. That's what the Bible says. Except for God's grace. Except for God's grace. Now we have a way to live. So think about this just just for a second. Just for a second. If there are areas, say you're here today and you, you are following Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you just don't have peace. There's just something off. And there's something in your your life right now. You just you don't have peace. I challenge you to get along with God this week and do some personal inventory of some things. You know, maybe maybe you've lowered your standard in something as simple as things that you would never used to watch on TV and now they don't bother you anymore. I know that's old school preaching there. Yeah, but hey, or, or maybe maybe it used to be where you you would come home and and, and maybe have a beer eat dinner and go to bed. Maybe it's turned into six or seven or eight every night. And, and there's something inside of you that's going, uh, God, why, why am I not at peace with you? Why, 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 where, what, where's this angst coming from? Peace is unattainable when we're living in blatant sin. You hear what I'm saying? Think about that this week. Do some personal inventory. If you're not at peace with yourself, if you're not at peace with God, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Last thing. If you're serving communion, you can be dismissed. Go quick, if you would, please. My quick and Dan's quick, two different things. (laughs) He's such a blessing. So so let's look at this. Y'all with me? Still going. We will never know true peace outside of God. We will never know true peace outside of God. Isaiah 9-6 For for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace We just got through assessing and understanding that all the covenant names of God are embodied in the person of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before is prophesying that a Messiah is going to come All of the responsibility of the government of heaven is going to be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. The owner of peace. The giver of peace. The steward of peace. Kind of like when you go to the the bank If anybody ever goes inside the bank anymore, I don't know. But, you know, when you go inside the bank and you go to the window and you ask for money, that money is only going to come through that little slot if that money is in the bank under your name. I think that's stupid, but that's the way they set it (laughs) up. I want to talk to the manager. But, when you come to Jesus and you say, I need peace in my life. I need peace in this area of my life. There is no lack. There is no end to that peace. He just dishes it out. As long as we will allow him, he'll keep dishing it out. Look at at this next scripture. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. See, when I live, watch this. When I live my life daily in worry, I discount the horrific experience that Jesus had on the cross because his punishment brought me peace. You hear that? That's what this is saying. The punishment that brought us peace. So if I refuse to cast my cares upon the Lord, and if I refuse to to receive the peace that God offers to me through His Spirit, through His Word, through His comfort, through His Holy Spirit, then I am discounting what Jesus did for me on the cross. His punishment brought us peace. The punishment that was on him. This is what Jesus told the disciples in the end of the book of John, where he's about to go to the cross. He says these words Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. This is, Jesus was the greatest revolutionary ever because if you look at all the things Jesus said, they still apply so much to everyday life. Even when it's hard, I do not give to you as the world gives. That's such a multi-dimensional, multi-century scripture, saying, Because the world is different than the world now, but the world is still the world. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying to us today, look, I can give you true peace. I can give you inner peace. I can give you a peace the world can't give you, so the world can't take it away. I am the prince of peace. I am the peace giver. I can give that to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Wow. He's acknowledging that the world's going to try to give you peace. The world's going to try to give you things to make you think you have peace. The world's going to try to get, in every way that the world can, they're going to counterfeit the true peace that only God can give us. Jesus knows this. He's still in the disciples. But don't be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Peace. You know, the ultimate peace is peace with God. In Romans 5, hopefully you know by heart now. Five, one, and two. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. We're justified in God's sight. Therefore, we're at peace with Him. Are you at peace with God today? When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, are you and God good? Are you still arguing and have questions? That's good. If you're arguing with God, that's amazing good. He loves that because you're talking to Him. And He's big enough for any question that you have. But the, the, the first step to that journey is, is saying, you're stepping out going, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this my all. I'm going to put my heart and my faith in the fact that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe He's the true Son of God. I believe the only way to have peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus and I'm ready to do that today. We're about to have communion. The only stipulation we have, we have an open communion here, is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What a great first communion that you could have as a Christian today. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Maybe that's you you say, Jason, that's me. That's me. I, I, need, a, I need a fresh start. I need some things to change in my life. I'm, I'm ready at this very moment. I am ready to put my faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the one who lived a sinless life, took my death and sin on the cross. I'm ready to confess they placed him in a grave. He rose from the grave on the third day. And right now, I, I'm ready to confess that I, I will receive God's love and grace and mercy through what Jesus Christ did for me. That's all salvation is. It's you putting your faith in the fact that that's what you believe. If you need to do that today, all over this place, slip your hand up long enough for me to see and put it right back down. No one's looking around. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thanks. Anyone else? That is awesome. Maybe life looks dark right now, and you need you need God to turn that that nightlight on and help help you find a way out. Anyone else? Before we pray, you raised your hand. Pray this prayer with me, Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm in the seat. And right now, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in the grave. I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. I believe he's in heaven today, rooting me on, and I believe he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, God, by virtue of me putting my faith in Jesus, I know I'm at peace with you. The Bible says I'm being made into a new creation. So let your love, your grace, and your mercy flood my soul, Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name concern